1: Bulls fans welcome to Bulls HQ Chicago Bulls podcast thank you for joining us on this episode of the show I'm Mark K from Australia and with me as always is Will the Goat Gottlieb Will how are you sir the goat is still sounding good I'm um, good to hear still liking the nickname the Bulls
2: they won a game against the Magic finally um so yeah <laughs> high, high spirits today
1: yeah, no, I mean, it looked perilous there for a little bit. I was like, oh shit, they're going to do this again. They're going to lose the magic again. And and even with Vooch not having a great game, like he was fine today. It wasn't a bad Vooch game by any means, but Wendell Carter was giving the balls the business, so it was Franz Wagner. Uh, you know, he's drawing Luca. don't comparisons from uh, Stacey King for some obscene reason. But yeah, it, it kind of felt like the Bulls were going to drop this game again. I think it was tied at 113 apiece at the fourth, or maybe it was 115, something like that. And then for whatever reason, the Bulls decided to play some defense, put the clamps on the magic, and then ended up rolling out with an 11-point win, if I'm not mistaken. So probably a little bit too close for comfort. It seems like this team is just going to go all in on Just trying to bury teams with offense whilst Caruso and Lonzo are are out and I don't necessarily disagree with that being the approach given that they don't have a lot of defensive players on this roster when you sort of uh, subtract Caruso and Lonzo and obviously Derek Jones Jr. and Patrick Williams too so maybe that is the right, right approach but as we're sort of seeing tonight but even like the last week or so of Bulls basketball like it, it kind of feels like they're going to go close down down the wire in a lot of these games and maybe against even lesser competition just sort of struggling to get by they, they put the bit the beat down on the on the trailblazers which was nice to, nice to see they got close to losing to, to the Raptors and, and the Thunder. but then you know as we saw on, on Friday night they lost to the Spurs in, in a similar fashion where they put up 120 odd points but gave up 130. so it, it kind of seems like this is the balls we're going to be getting for the next six to eight weeks something in that vicinity.
2: Yeah, I mean, you said it. When they're out there, two best defensive players and probably, what, like four of their best six, um, they're not very good at defense. They don't want to play defense. (laughs) Uh, They let teams back in as soon as they build up a little bit of a lead. Um, The Magic, I think, have like the 28th best offensive rating. And when I say 28th best, it really means bottom three offensive rating Mm -hmm. at 103.8 points per 100 um today i'm pretty sure they put up let me see i have it here yeah 113 so 10 points uh over their season um number for offensive rating uh they make the mo wagner franz wagner wendell carter guys look like i don't know three just giant all-stars they just, they can't defend anybody especially like shooting bigs they have a really tough time with but to your point they're going to be able to beat teams in shootouts because DeRozan is really good and Zach is really good. And, um, another game for them where they both scored more than 25. DeRozan had 29, 10 rebounds, five assists, Zach, 26 points, five rebounds, three assists. So, um, they continue to light it up. We had a pretty good Vooch game, which was nice to see, but, at the end of the day, these are wins, yes, but it's the magic who they're like barely holding off, who have eleven wins on the season. And um it's been a little bit ugly of late, as to be expected, without, you know,
1: half of their roster, but we'll take the wins nonetheless. Yeah, hundred percent. And like that's what I'm going you know, I'm of two minds about how to feel about this whole thing at the moment, because on one hand I'm like, Joyous at the fact that the, the team is effect- effectively reclaimed top spot in the East and they were essentially tied yesterday or that they had a, a lead based on win percentage yesterday against the Heat, but with the Heat losing tonight and the Bulls winning, the Bulls are now firmly atop of the East. And there's like literally a couple games separating you know number the number one seed and the number six seed in, in the Eastern Conference, so it's extremely tight up the top at, at the East. And this has just been super fun to watch this season, but it just shows how close things are right now. And yet. Credit to the Bulls, they've they've won three of their last four, and you know I, I thought maybe they might slip here, and, and there's still a chance that they may do so. The the next two games are on the road against the Raptors, and, and the Pacers, not two great teams, but. Like we sort of said, the, the Bulls are sort of playing down to their competition and the fact that they don't really have uh, much defense in juice at the moment, like those aren't necessarily winnable games you now, in, in the way that maybe we're thinking about these games being winnable, you know, two, three weeks ago sort of thing. So from that standpoint, like I, I, I go back and forward from like being impressed that the team is still number one in the East, but also, <laughs> you know, they're just scraping by against some lesser competition here. So I, I don't know what to make as to you know, where they truly sit. And I, I don't know whether the Bulls being, you know, first in the East after 50 games, con- considering the, the injury issues they have. Like, is that a reflection of how good the Bulls have been? Or is that really more of a, a reflection about the teams behind them, not necessarily getting their shit together? And I'm really speaking about the Nets and, and, and the Bucks. Like, I just assumed after you lost Lonzo, you lost Caruso, that at some point the, the Bucks and Nets... Would just overtake the Bulls at some point, and the Heat did it momentarily. They they're back down to second in the East. The Bucks, I assume they were going to the Nets, but they they're sort of falling down in the Eastern Conference standings as well. So and it kind of feels like the Cavs of all teams are going to be the ones that sort of go past the Bulls. So, I don't know. Like, what what do, what do you make about this race in the Eastern Conference? Like, is this is this more about what the Bulls are doing, or, or more so about the teams behind them not really you know seizing the opportunity?
2: Well, I think it's both. I mean, the Bulls have certainly been opportunistic um and you need to be if you're gonna you know compete at a high level throughout the regular season um the 76ers are now in second place they had a really rough start to the year um obviously ben simmons is a whole thing that i don't want to start talking about (laughs) um but yeah i think like if you're the bucks and the nets you're less concerned about seeding and more concerned about just like getting to into the top six so you don't really have to worry about the play-in and yeah, I think that's that's an opportunity for the Bulls. Um, they definitely are also going to have to like sort of tread water here and win some games, whether it's like good scrappy or just ugly. They're going to have to to find ways to win. Um, I was just pulling up some numbers as you were talking, just to sort of back up this idea of how bad they are defensively um, without Caruso and Lonzo. So in lineups without Caruso and Lonzo on the floor they give up 118.9 points per 100 possessions, which is um, in the sixth percentile. Um, and with them both on the floor, they're giving up 105.4 points per 100, which is in the 88th percentile. So they basically go from like, you know, it's a 13 point swing um, from like bottom six percentile to 88th percentile. So, I mean, those guys are also like very much the identity of what, you know, we saw early on in this season as being successful is like getting your hands in passing lanes, getting out in transition. And I think just so much of what made them fun and exciting and good is now gone. And I think it's a good test for them to be able to try to figure out how to win games in, in other ways. And guys like um, Vucevic stepping up um, like just people are going to have to step up in ways and we're seeing it in some cases Uh, it doesn't always look pretty, but yeah, well, we'll, We'll find a way to win.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and, and like I said, it, I I go I go back and forth as to how I feel about it because on, on one hand, after fifty games, the Bulls to be still at top of the East, it's, it is it is pretty damn impressive. But then I'm also just like waiting for them to fall off here with Lonzo and Caruso out for as long as they are for the reasons you just sort of alluded to there. Like they're they're super important dudes. They they help establish the identity, the culture, all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, they just. You know, fundamental about what this team is really brought this season, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll happen soonish. Like I said, the, the next couple of games coming up are certainly winnable, assuming they obviously play as to how I hope they can play. But thereafter, um, they've got the Sixers on Sunday, the the Suns on Monday. That's that's a pretty rough double, a pretty rough back to back there. And then they've also got uh, the Hornets as well before the trade uh, before the trade deadline sort of rolls around. So that leads me to my next point. I mean, I was expecting the team to sort of start falling off here. Maybe that would be in like the third or fourth position right now. But like I said, they're still obviously a top of the East, um, which is very interesting because to me, maybe it was just caught up in the moment. I was a bit maybe doom and gloom. But after the Lonzo injury, the Caruso injury, I just assumed it spelt the worst that the team would start to free fall, that it would dramatically change their plans at the deadline. But you know, they've obviously maintained the first seed right at the moment. And assuming that continues up until the trade deadline, I don't know, does this sort of, again, rechange their perspective? Not to say that maybe AK actually changed his perspective. It's probably more so me or, and maybe some, some people listening in here. But like, for me, I didn't think they would maintain that number one seed. Not to say that they will, but if, if that is the case, like, does that I don't know, to give you pauses, make you change or reflect on maybe where we were sort of thinking about the trade deadline a week or two ago where we were sort of pushing back against the idea of going for an all-in mode type of deal. But, you know, I don't know if they're able to maintain that number one seed do you, to sort of do you jump back on that bandwagon? I don't know. I I think
2: probably I'm still a little bit cautious to make any major moves, especially when We just have so much time yet before, you know, Caruso, Alonzo, Dirk Jones are coming back. Six to eight weeks is a long time on the NBA calendar. That's like a quarter of the season almost. And so uh, a lot can change. And I'd be hesitant to make any major moves now when like, yes, they're beating teams like the Magic and the Blazers, which is great. Like they they need to do that. But, um, you know, they've got four games and five nights here coming up. As you mentioned, Suns and 76ers, and um, there's just like there's no gimmies on the schedule, and so um, they still have like three games against the Bucks, I think. Um, Jazz, Suns twice, like they they've got a lot of of tough games coming up, and I wouldn't want to basically go all in here without with just that much uncertainty. I think I'm definitely leaning more still towards like a Tory Craig pickup. I think he does a lot of what you might want out of a Jeremy Grant, but obviously wouldn't cost you as much. So I think that's where I'm kind of leaning still, but there's 10 days to the deadline. A lot can still change. And yeah, I don't know. Are you, are you aligned there? Do you, do you feel differently?
1: Yeah, I think you caught up in the moment. Like I'm like, oh shit, maybe they could uh, do something funky and maybe revisit those type of deals. But if I'm being objective about it, maybe not necessarily straight after a win. <laughs> um, that maybe I fit would feel a little bit differently about it. But I think those games, I'm actually pleased that they are playing the Sixers and the Suns and even the Hornets before the trade deadline. Like three, well, at least two very le- like legitimately good team and 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 another one that's uh, you know quite good. Like the Hornets are like four or five games over a 500 at this point, so like they're a good team. So. It's good to have those three games up against, or the Bulls to play those three games, I guess, before the deadline because that gives you a good assessment as to how good they actually are. Like, yes, they're beating the Magic, they're beating the OKC, they're beating Portland, they lost to the Spurs. Like, they're all below five hundred type teams. So if you come away with a three and three and four record against those teams, it's like, okay, cool, you're doing what you need to do in order to maintain that number one seed. But are you really a true number one seed when it matters? And obviously it does matter over the next months because you, you won't be without uh, or you won't have Lonzo and Caruso. So, yeah, if they get hammered against the Sixers and the Suns, and that that maybe will like reinforce my perspective that we sort of forged on the last show where we were talking about, yeah, a win now mode probably doesn't make sense because even though they're getting it together now in the sense that they're maintaining that number one seat, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of metrics out there that point to this team. Probably winning some games that maybe they shouldn't be right now. I mean, the defense has slipped to twentieth on the season over the last twenty-four. sorry, the last five games they've been twenty-fourth in defensive rating. We 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 touched on it before, but there was a few wins that they had in the last week where they they could have easily been losses, like against OKC. We talked about it last week, but they could have easily dropped that game in the fourth quarter, given how bad their execution was. Similarly, in Toronto, like they should have won that game fairly handedly, but they allowed the Raptors to get back in the game. the The Raptors' length and ball pressure, just again, the Bulls capitulated in the fourth quarter in terms of controlling the ball. Uh, they got hot against the Blazers, which was nice to see. But the Spurs' loss was kind of discouraging as well, given the Spurs haven't been a great team. So, um, and obviously, what we saw tonight against Orlando could have easily been a loss as well. So, yeah, in a rational mind, I, th- I think I'm still. I'm still pushing back in the sense of winning now or going for that win now mode. I I or move rather. I, I don't think that is the right decision because I'm still fearful of what this team is without Lonzo and Caruso, despite the record looking, you know, decent over the last week. I, I think they should still be a little bit coy about it. But obviously time will tell. Maybe if they if they beat the Suns and Sixers and, and the Hornets without Caruso and Lonzo, then I don't know, maybe you feel good about yourself and you and you pull the trigger. Who knows? I think on the other
2: side of that argument now, just kind of hearing what you have to say and agreeing with most of it, but I think the, the main weakness of the team remains that sort of switchy big four or five can shoot, can defend multiple positions kind of guy. Um, they're obviously not going to go find one, somebody that, re- you know, replaces or, um, overshadows what Crusoe Alonso does. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's still sort of an area of need and something that they could address. Uh I think it's more sort of a question of like what you give up for it. and I think that's really the difference there as opposed to, you know, 2 weeks ago when we were talking about really trying to get ahead of all these other teams. So um I do feel like we're more in sort of a treading water mode now for the next 6-8 weeks, but that doesn't mean you you can't still add talent in some ways. I just would be hesitant to, to put Pat on the table. when honestly, I mean, it's people keep saying like, maybe he's going to come back. Maybe he's going to come back. So maybe he's going to come back.
0: No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract interview and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Who the hell knows? But obviously, we'll find out in uh, in due course, in six to eight weeks. When. Hopefully a lot of these bulls back players come back. Obviously, Derek Jones Jr. will be back a little bit later now, given that he's sort of broken his finger after his knee his knee injury. So I mean the team just isn't having a lot of luck in terms of the injury front, but hopefully that changes when it matters. But nonetheless, let's pivot away from the trade deadline and all that sort of stuff, because I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in detail next week and the weeks to come, you know, post the trade deadline. It's actually it's actually funny. Like I, I assume we would just be banging on about the trade deadline every other day at this point, but because of everything we sort of just stated here and, and maybe the Bulls are in, uh, I don't know, maybe they're just in a state of influx at the moment where they just don't want to make a move just in case. I, I don't know. But like I expected to be talking more about the trade deadline and how it pertains to the Bulls. We did a lot of talking about that, you know, a few weeks ago, but less so now. And again, it, it makes entire sense. So maybe we can pivot away from the trade deadline stuff and instead talk about Io, who continues, this, he just continues to be amazing, to be frank. Um at point guard, filling in for Lonzo, the starting point guard, filling in for Caruso, the backup point guard. You're without your two best point guard options, and here is that second year, or oh, sorry, the first year player that you dropped in in your second round. I wasn't expecting to get much of Iya from at all this season. I, I wasn't expecting much of a contribution just due to the fact that he's a rookie guard. Like how many rookie guards start their career like and being productive in their first year? In their first year, it's, it's very few. So that was the assumption that was coming into it. The fact that he was able to play himself in the rotation was a surprise to the point now where he's actually starting games, influencing games, and uh, and, and you know delivering what he's delivering right now. I don't think it's a stretch, Will, to say that Io, in some respects, is saving the Bulls' season. It sounds hyperbolic. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a prisoner of the moment take. But without Lonzo and without Caruso, uh, Caruso I mean, his on-ball creation and his defense at, at the point guard position has been so critical. And I, I just start thinking about, like, if I was just a regular rookie guard or if he wasn't as good as what he is now, like, where would this team be right now? Like, we we, we talked about them narrowly winning games here, but without him, they would most definitely be losing these games. And instead of sitting number one, maybe the Bulls right now are the, the sixth or seventh seed. So, you know, he has helped... Stem the tide, I suppose, in terms of losing Lonzo and Caruso. He can't make up their, their complete absence, but he's doing it as his best possible chance in in giving the Bulls the best possible chance of sort of mitigating against their loss. So maybe we can spend a few minutes here waxing poetic about Io because he deserves it and he continues to play amazing as we sort of saw against the Magic tonight with his 13 points and 9 assists. It's
2: really been the silver lining of the, the major injury plague that the Bulls are experiencing right now is that he has just getting so many minutes, um, 37 per game over his last 10, averaging 11 points, uh, 4.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists. He had nine assists tonight, 11 on Sunday night. Um, His passing and and creation has been really impressive to me. Um, I mean, obviously he was sort of the offensive hub at Illinois, but I mean, I was not expecting anything remotely close to this Especially when you're sharing the court with Damar and with Zach Levine and with Vucevic, still, um, so he's been really impressive. Obviously, I think the the defense is what sort of gave him a footing in the rotation. But the way he's stepped up, I mean, I just keep waiting for him to miss a shot, miss a corner three, and he just he doesn't do it. Um, I really love the way that he is just fearless um, taking shots. He had a really clutch um, like flyby take one step in, hit a mid-range jumper tonight and then the next possession uh hit a corner 3, both just massively clutch shots. He's just whatever that it factor is, man, he's got it. Like he just plays so well in big moments and it really gives the, the Bulls like a very deep guard rotation um of guys who can defend up to 3 positions. I mean, we've seen Him lock up Trey Young. We've seen him guard Luca, Jason Tatum. Like there's nobody that um, they can't really throw him against. He's been awesome. I think he continues to um, add elements to his game that you almost kind of just like pick up on a daily basis. Like, oh my god, I didn't know he could run a little side pick and roll and throw a a no look pocket pass or you know whatever it was. So he he's been really great. Yeah, I just. I was I was very much like team draft Sharif Cooper in the second round, uh, because I wanted somebody who could provide that creation. Obviously that was before the free agent signings and before Damar and Lonzo and all that, but like somebody who has a, a chance to be a really special um shot creator. And I think in a lot of ways we've seen that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, shout out to IO as well for making the um the Rising Stars game at the All Star Weekend, so that was confirmed today as well. So he he deserves that. Like he's been one of the best bookies in the uh, the NBA this season. That's that's for damn sure. And you know, post game, you know, he was asked about him going to the All-Star festivities and, you know, going to the Rising Star game and and, and what that means and what he's going to do. And he, he basically went on record saying he's just going to ask so many questions that he's going to dissect so many brains whilst he's there. And, and I guess why that quote is relevant is not only is it amusing, but, like, it speaks to what you sort of just touched on there, the fact that this dude is seemingly picking up, I don't know, a new skill. Maybe not a new skill, but he's learning from his mistakes. He's sort of adding something. Even if it's very minute, he's adding something to his game virtually every other game. If it's not every other game, then every week or month type thing. There's just been an addition to his game every... Every game, like if you think about the, the, the version of Iowa getting at the start of his career, like in October, November, like and comparing that to the guy that we're seeing now in January, it's, it's a very different player. And part of that is maybe just more experience, more confidence now being in that starting unit. And, and maybe it's a little easier to play with the starters because you're not maybe uh, as reliant to create create things in the second unit or whatever it may be. But I don't know, like every, every game, it's seemingly... He's doing something different and adding a piece to his game. And, and just to to read out some numbers over, over his last five games, I mean, these numbers are kind of insane, to be honest with you. Like only 12 points a game, which isn't a huge number, but seven re, uh, seven assists on 1.4 turnovers, which is just crazy good. Four rebounds, but the shooting percentage is like 50% from the field, essentially, 42% from the three-point line, 90% from the... From the free throw line. So over the last five game, five games, IO is a 50 40 90 guy. So delivering on all fronts, uh, the defense, obviously, we've talked about his, his defense on ball has been fantastic. I, you know, the Bulls point of attack defense when IO is not the, the point of point of attack defender is just so miserable right now that it, he is a godsend in that regard, uh, particularly without Lonzo and Caruso. So we are very lucky to have IO and the way he's playing this season to the point where, where I've been wondering, and again, maybe this is a bad prisoner of the moment take, one that I'll regret in time, and maybe I look foolish in time, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, is Io the best Bulls prospect that they have had since Derek Rose?
2: I mean, just slanderous to <laughs> Denzel Valentine, Bobby Portis. <laughs> Tony um, Snell. Tony Snell. <laughs> uh, I mean, what I think uh, I, I think Jimmy is probably the best, right? like. I don't know well, prospect-wise I, I if thinking that counts, that. but, like, he certainly yeah. turned... He was the best Bulls draft pick that turned out.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking, like, when I was initially running this question past my own thoughts, I suppose, and thinking was it, it was it the too Mark much filter. of a hot take. Yeah, I was like, oh, is this too much of a hot take? Is this too much, like, sports radio nonsense? But, like, to me, like, Jimmy sort of came on in, like, year 3, 4, 5 type thing where in his initial years, like, he's a good role guy. And, it's still and it crazy to
2: of- me to think about, like how good Jimmy became oh, it's, in it's his nuts. third or fourth like, year. It's just com- nuts.
1: Com- completely outlier stuff. Like but like that's that's the point. Like he went from a guy who was a, a really good solid pick as a role guy like from the thirtieth pick and maybe that's why all I will be. But then Jimmy sort of just went to like star mode instantly, which is very, you know, unforeseen the way it happened, as you sort of mentioned there. But I don't know, like that's why I'm not necessarily considering Jimmy because he didn't maybe step in straight away and Looked as good as maybe you know some of these other players have looked in the, in their first year. So, if if you want to argue Jimmy, then it's fine. Obviously, my Jimmy stands. Out. I'm, not, I'm not. I don't. I won't argue necessarily too hard against it. But like if we if we're just ignoring Butler, then to me it is. It probably is IO. Like since Rose, at least over the last you know 12, 14 years, whatever it may be. Like he's probably been the most effective rookie that the Bulls have had. Like yeah, sure, Lowry's put up bigger numbers in his rookie years. Maybe some other guys have done so as well. But in terms of like how they're actually impacting winning and what they're actually doing on the floor is translating to wins. Yes, others may have had bigger numbers, but you know, Io is bringing it specifically on defense to a level that I just wouldn't expect from a rookie guard. We've talked about his playmaking, his offense is finding form. Um, I, I I don't think it is actually a hot take at all. If, if depending on how you feel about the whole, whole Jimmy thing, and, and maybe some will feel differently in terms of Patrick Williams, I I would imagine a lot of people would have pushback in that regard. Uh, but I mean, there's a chance that IO is the best Bulls prospect that this team has had since Derrick Rose, which. You can make of that and run with that in a number of different ways. And my half glass, half empty type approach to life maybe has me questioning the last four years of the rebuild. If the the guy you take in the second round in 2021 ends up being your best prospect, like I don't know, maybe it's a little deflating, but I don't know. Like To me, I think it's actually, there's some validity to that statement. So I I think I'm going to run with it for now.
2: I'm just kind of sitting here chuckling to myself because- I'm, I have the Bulls draft history pulled up on Basketball Reference, <laughs> so I'm just going to read off some names here, because it's funny. Uh, Rose was 2008, number one pick, obviously. Yeah. 2009 was James Johnson and Taj Gibson. Yeah, we love Taj good. Gibson on this podcast. For sure. Um, I don't know that he is the, I mean, he's just the definition of, like, high-level role player. I don't think of him as necessarily a high-ceiling guy, the way that... It sounds like you're sort of angling. Yeah. Taj was also like
1: 24 years old when he came into the league. Probably had less of a ceiling.
2: Yeah. And then you have um, Jimmy was in 2011. They drafted Norris Cole as well, but he ended up going to Miami. And I believe that was the same year that they drafted Miritich and stashed stashed him. Yeah. Um, we also stand Miritich on this podcast, so deal with it. Um, Marcus Teague was 2012. Oh. That was that was fun. Uh, the, the Marcus Teague experience. Um, 2013 was Tony Snell and Eric Murphy. Uh, oh, Eric <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm getting a kick out of some of these these names that's thrown me back. You're gonna love this one. Um, obviously, the 2014 draft, they took Nurkic and Gary Harrison traded him for McDermott, but in the second round. <laughs> Cameron Barstow, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your what boy. A,
1: what a find he was.
2: Yeah. Um, Bobby Portis in 2015. Denzel and Paul Zipser. Zip Sanity in 2016. <laughs> uh, ended up drafting. In 2017 was the Jimmy trade. So they yeah. took Lowry in, in 2018. I think Wendell is probably the answer here. Uh, 2018 reckon. along with Chandler Hutchison. I think he's got still a really high ceiling. He obviously plays super well against the Bulls every time. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think he's going to be a very good player. And then in 2019, Kobe and Daniel Gafford. Gafford's been really nice for Washington,
1: but I just don't think of him as, nah, you know. No, yeah, you, you could replace Gafford pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, look, I'm a big Wendell guy, obviously. People know that. And I won't, it wouldn't be surprising to me to to of all those names that you listed, that like he has the best career of all those guys. But at the same time, like... I wouldn't be shocked if it's Io. And, and obviously the name that you didn't mention there because I cut you off was Patrick Williams. But right. again, like people will say it's going to be Pat, like Pat's Kawhi, obviously, like Pat's the, the second coming. So maybe it is maybe it is Pat, but I don't know, man. I I, I just think what I've seen from Io in terms of a rookie season and, and maybe um, you know, development isn't linear, linear. Like Io's 22, maybe this is, it's not his peak, but maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's closer to his, He's peak than maybe some others are. And like Patrick Williams, people point to the fact that Patrick Williams is, um, you know, obviously younger than I.O., has more time, has more time to develop as a higher ceiling, all, that, all, all those sorts of things. But I don't know. I think there is a chance that I.O. ends up being the Bulls' best <laughs> Bulls best draft pick since Derrick Rose. And you can apply that context in any which way you want. Um, and me, my prisoner of the moment take, I'm going to run with it right now because um, it's I.O. mania at the moment and, uh, and I'm buying in. Well, I think it
2: speaks to a a different um, sort of something new and exciting about this regime is that, one, they're unafraid to take swings on really raw but high upside, important position prospects like Patrick Williams, and two, that they can find guys in the second round who can be contributors right away. And I think, obviously, they're out a second round pick until basically the sun expands and destroys the solar system. But uh, to be able to like hit on on draft picks in the late first round, which hopefully is where they'll be drafting, you know, the next couple of years, if they can continue to to add talent like that, we're going to be in a good spot. Um, so yes, Io has been fantastic. He's definitely carved out a role for himself, even when the team is whole. And I'm really curious to see it, sort of how the lineups and defensive versatility can can shake out with... All three of those defensive guards. But um yeah, I just think the Bulls are in a good spot with their the future of their drafting prospects hitting on a guy like that.
1: Certainly hope so. I mean, we would rather have more IOs than maybe Marco Simonovich's. I, and, was gonna, and- I was
2: gonna I was gonna
1: try to avoid bringing Marco
2: Simonovich into the conversation, but he had a good uh you know, I'd follow the Windy City Bulls account he had a decent style line the other night there's he can't really do uh, anything points, in the nba
1: nine, nine rebounds something like that like that's, that's pretty good but i mean most it's of it's just bad funny. but there are moments <laughs> <laughs> it's just amusing to me because like people talk about like you know, AK's draft record and all that sort of stuff. And the fact that they point to IO and like how they nailed that second round pick and how good they are at their second round picks. And it's like, well, they've had two and they've absolutely crushed it with one and, you know, maybe crushed it in a bad way <laughs> with the other one. But uh, we shall see, obviously, time will tell. Maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Marcus is just a slow burner and he'll come on eventually. Who the hell knows? But I don't know. I'm leaning in on this IO stuff because he's, uh, he's performing at a level. That's like I said, Maybe it's hyperbolic, but I, I do think in some regards he's helping save this season or at least keep it afloat in a sense. So, um, yeah, Ayo deserves the love that he's getting and it, it is good to see the recognition in terms of the rising star game. But, you know, pivoting away from Ayo, let's go to his backcourt mate at the moment, who is Zach Levine. I mean, what have you made since Zach has been back? It's it's essentially five games at this point. Like the box score numbers. Like they read nice, twenty four points, five rebounds, five assists. But from a shooting standpoint, not so great. Forty three percent from the field, twenty eight percent from the three point line. He's made some questionable decisions, you know, as a ball handler in in clutches sort of situations, particularly in games that in, in games where or moments where DeRozan isn't in the game, as we saw against OKC, where him and Kobe just couldn't handle the pressure of the defense. His I think I think his actual defense has been you know quite problematic over the last few games as well. Um, you know people like to blame vooch for the ball's defensive issues but to me it's it all starts on the perimeter and, and zach at the point of attack hasn't been great I don't think over the last you know number of games and I don't want to go too hard on him given that he's coming back from a knee injury which I was actually surprised to be that he was back this soon but nonetheless i mean wh- how how have you rated zach over the last five games are you concerned about it at all like do you think it's just a i don't know just a rough stretch that maybe just coincides with him coming back but i don't know what do, what do you make about it all
2: I know he hasn't
1: looked at all
2: unathletic or gimpy or anything like that, but the injury stuff I'm still a little uneasy about. He seems fine, like I said, but just these non-contact knee injuries he's played. Um, he's scoring. He definitely does not have the same energy, I think, is is the way to, that I would like to put it. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that, kind of rises with the tide around him. DeMar obviously is the reason why the Bulls are who they are this year, Um, especially in these crunch time moments, like the poise that he plays with, the ability to make good decisions to um, get to his spots. I think Zach has really struggled with getting to his spots in closing moments where he, for whatever reason, just like when the defense locks in on him, he's not able to get to the shot he wants as well. And he'll turn it over or fumble his dribble or whatever it may be. DeMar doesn't do that. And I think that takes a ton of pressure off of Zach to play sort of a shooting guard role, which is what he is. I don't think he needs to be a Luka Doncic heliocentric player in order to be considered like an all-star or somebody who's really, really good at basketball, because I just don't think that's his role. So he's going to have nights where he doesn't shoot the ball quite as well. The last two years, I mean, 50, 40, 85, 86, uh, he, he is, we know what he is as a shooter. Um, I'm not too worried about him longer term, other than potentially
1: health, which uh, would be a separate thing altogether. Yeah, f- f- fair enough, and-, and maybe this is just me leaning into the whole takes thing. Given I've just brought it, to- <laughs> yeah, you're coming with the takes today. I like it. Yeah, I don't know why. Don't- I'm usually the least takesiest guy. Is, is that even a word? But i I'm- I'm- I generally don't bring the, uh, you know, the stupid heat. I suppose, but I- I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with Zach, To be honest with you, maybe that's just absurd of me because he's coming back from injury. But I just don't think he's been playing well at all. Um, and like I said, the numbers on a surface level read quite nicely, but it's probably more so the just the decision-making that he's making with ball in hand, some of the shots he's taking. His shot selection, I think, just generally this year hasn't been as good, but uh, of late as well, it, it kind of feels like he's pressing. And then his defense at times, yeah, like I said before, has regressed some, particularly off ball. There was a possession tonight where he and Io... Were, uh you know they were defending two men. They were defending a pick and roll type sort of situation. I don't know. It was meant to be a switch. I assume they didn't switch. Whether they didn't switch because they didn't communicate it, or maybe they did communicate it and it just didn't register, or whatever the situation was. I don't know if it was on Levine. I don't know if it was I.O. But they were the two guys in the in in the. I guess that defensive possession that broke down and, you know, the the, the magic got a an easy um, an easy basket at the rim because of it. But like I don't know who it's on, but obviously Levine was connected in that play. I don't know, I just don't I just don't think he's been playing well of late. I, I do I am a little worried that they sort of rushed him back because of the whole injuries to Lonzo and Caruso and you know, he he obviously looks good enough to be out on the court, so maybe it's just completely, you know, nonsensical for me to even be concerned about it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's carrying something that we don't know about. Similarly, like how Lonzo was carrying a knee swelling issue that we didn't know about until it sort of became an issue. And, oh, by the way, he's here's a surgery that we have to you know, perform that's going to keep him out six to eight weeks. So, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. He's not playing very well. My, that, my hot take is that he's actually been bad the last five games, but maybe i have just been a douchebag and leaning into it too far and being, um, being unfair.
2: Yeah, I think the... The defensive thing, I think, also what I was saying about Demar kind of carrying the the decision making and closing time like burden. I think the same is true for Zach with defense. Like no Lonzo, no Caruso. I think he's probably in a position where it just the 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 sort of energy around that end of the court. I don't think has been the same. Obviously. I mean the, the result has been terrible, but I just don't think there's been as much interest from anybody on that end. Io's been playing well. Javante's been awesome. I just we need to give like a weekly shout out to Javante. He's the man. Um but yeah, I think we're we're seeing a little bit of regression from him. And I think it's just I'm hoping it's one of the dregs of the season, like middle of February type of lull that you have, um, because the season is long. Um so we'll see. It's something to keep an eye on for sure, uh, especially with the knee. Um, I'm really hoping they wouldn't just bring him back because other people are injured. Like uh, he seems way too important to to mess around with. But yeah, I, I would say if if the Bulls' defense as a whole wasn't so concerning, I don't think that Zach would look quite as bad because he's not really. And I think this is why like there was the whole narrative about him being empty calories or whatever. Like he's not like I said, he's not the kind of player that like the whole offense and defense revolves around him and they tried to put him in that position and it didn't work very well. That doesn't make him a bad player. It just makes him better at the things that, you know, he's really good at, which are scoring and looking to his shots and um, just like basically playing off of guys. You can be a star at doing that. And I think that's what he is. So um, hopefully when people get healthy, he'll look a lot better Definitely has not been his best stretch of basketball. By no means am I giving him a pass, but I think the Bulls are, as a whole, trying to stay afloat, and I think that's reflected in
1: his play a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe I'm being... Uh, a bit- like I said, a bit of a douchebag about it all and just jumping off the ledge here, maybe too soon. But I was going to go on and rant about the defense and just maybe let's talk so about the defense and more so about Vooch and how people are constantly, well, not everyone, but there are certain loudmouths out there that maybe you know are constantly blaming the defensive struggles of this team. As we sort of talked about before, over the last five games, they, they ranked 24th in defensive rating. And for whatever reason, it seems like Vooch cops most of the IR because of that, because... Uh, I don't know. They see people, you know. They see the opposition sort of finishing shots over Vooch who, you know. Maybe hasn't contested hard enough, or whatever the situation is, and you know whatever their opinion may be. But I, I, I was going to go on a rant on about a it, will, but I just can't be bothered anymore because I, I am a virtue apologist. I admit as much. I have been called it as much. Um, but I'm I just, I just, think I'm losing patience in terms of people blaming the entire defensive struggles on Vooch. And I, I don't understand this concept of why we need to have a scapegoat for a certain member of the team every season. It kind of feels like that's always the case that there has to be a scapegoat. And with DeMar being DeMar and doing what he's doing, and obviously Zach being Zach and, you know, we're never going to pull out a mistake Io ever makes. And, and you know, I totally get it why because he's bringing so much value to the team, but it just, it just shits me, I suppose that a one player cops the, uh, the brunt of the heat, despite him not necessarily deserving it. And I just said I wasn't going to go on a rant, but it kind of feels like I'm merging into a, rant, into a rant, into a Vooch tangent here. But um, I don't know. I'll, uh, do you have anything to add there, even though I've sort of added, have quote-unquote not gone on a rant, even though I technically did? I mean, does it frustrate you that Vooch is being scapegoated
2: some here? It does. I think the the issue is not him. It's, And I don't even think the scheme is a problem. But I mean, the... The defense is built around really solid point of attack, get over screens, contain ball handlers, and then um, get back in front of guys. And when the point of attack defense is gone, which it is, of course they're going to struggle. So Vooch, I think, has done a really good job of containing um, dribble penetration. He had a really awesome possession today, which I tweeted out, where he sort of picked up Cole Anthony on a transition play um prevented him from getting all the way to the cup had him do a little Nash dribble probe out to the other side who dumped it off to Franz Wagner who drove to the basket and then Vooch blocked him um I think Vooch is really underappreciated on that end I think he is underappreciated as a passer and I think gets a lot of ire because the shots aren't falling um which is fair to say I mean he he has been missing his shots um but it was the same thing with Wendell last year, and you, it drove you crazy as well. Like it's, I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having a drop cover screen scheme. I think that's like a pretty, like standard defensive scheme. Um, he's not gonna be blocking three shots a game like Miles Turner. Um, he's not gonna be switching one through five like Draymond, um, and he's not like the clean up everything behind you like Rudy Gobert. But I think he's really solid defensively. I don't criticize him for anything, um, any struggles that they're having. I think it's really that the defense is a little bit unique in that it's built around guards defending at the point of attack rather than having that defensive big anchor sort of quarterbacking everything. Um, and when
1: you know the whole head of the snake is cut off, the rest of it's not going to look very good. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I hope more people adopt that thinking. But um, every time I tell myself that, um, you know, when people start talking about drop coverage and versus defense, I always tell myself, do not engage. Don't uh, listen to this. Don't um, bother, you know, getting involved in the discourse. Ultimately, I find myself... You know, creating threads upon threads on Twitter showing, you know, clips as to why it's not actually Vuce's fault. But, um, yeah, maybe that's where the whole apologist thing comes from. But it just annoys me because, like, and here I go ranting again. But, like, we, we saw what a bad defense looks like last season with that, you know, good point of attack defense. Like, guys like like Alonso and Caruso and even Io are bringing. And now you would think with that example from last season and what we have seen this season with good point of attack defense and now with those guys out again like we, we should understand why the defense is bad again but for whatever reason it's all on Vooch for uh, in some people's eyes at least but like i said I'm, I'm ranting at the moment i'll stop maybe we can end the podcast there Will, because um if i keep going maybe i'll uh keep you know banging on about Vooch. but you know quietly he's been quite good the last 5 games 20 points 13 rebounds 4 assists 60 33 85 shooting splits doing his thing as a third option so I'm hoping he's found his groove here as that third option, but um, obviously time will tell. Uh, do you have anything more to add, William? Have I missed anything over the last you know couple of days of Bulls basketball? No, I think we're in a sort
2: of quiet time in the NBA calendar, um, pushing ahead to the trade deadline when the news starts to stir again. The rosters may have a little bit of change and draw some excitement, and then it's the playoff push. So I think we're in a little bit of dead time here. Um, I certainly feel a little bit like disconnected from the day-to-day. Obviously, still been watching, still been following, but it's just been slow, and um, we appreciate you guys for sticking around with us through these times, even though the Bulls are at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're still a very good team. Um, It's obviously not the same exciting brand of basketball that we saw at the start of the season, but hopefully trending towards that again come playoffs, and yeah, this is the ride, so here we are.
1: Yeah, I I 100% agree with your sentiment. Like the last few weeks has been a bit of a slog, like just it always is at this time of the year. But even more so with the the injuries that we sort of you know sustained and what it maybe means for the season and how that will play out. But to your point, like it just does feel like the trade deadline or at least getting to that point is dragging. Like every time when I wake up, I'm I'm checking Twitter to see if there's any news, and you know things are very quiet on the Bulls front at the moment, and maybe that it will remain quiet post the deadline, but. You know, as we sort of experienced last season, who the hell knows what will happen, so obviously we'll be back next week to wrap up some Bulls basketball games over the coming days, um, we'll obviously have some trade deadline coverage uh, coverage coming as well, so um, hopefully the Bulls do something, if for no other reason that it'll make, it'll make us uh, interesting podcasting, but nonetheless it would be interesting to see them make a move that improves the team after the deadline and they sort of, you know, recommit to this number one seed type push, uh, that, that'll be interesting to see, but as it all breaks, we'll be here on Bulls HQ to talk about all things balls you know where to find us at this stage but nonetheless if you don't by any chance you can find will on twitter at Lieb. you can get me on twitter too at mk Hoops this year uh, the podcast is on twitter too at balls hq pod um and that's pretty much all i'm going to plug at the moment because i don't want to be uh you know too much of a self-fulfilling douchebag and, and bore you all with um too many other plugs but uh i guess the other the other thing we should plug will is your substack do you want to give that one last shot? i mean we mentioned it last week but should we plug it again this week
2: nothing new on it this week it's been uh sort of busy at the full-time
1: position you you could have Um, lied to people and said there was and you know help the plug you you should
2: still sub anyway (laughs) because there might be stuff coming but uh willgotley.substack.com yeah i'll be trying to to put some stuff out there so bear with me it's definitely inconsistent coverage just given the nature of my full-time work but obviously it's really fun to do it and I always appreciate when people read, so um, subscribe and you'll get the newsletter in your inbox if and when I do write something soon.
1: Will Gottlieb, the uh, the Troy Brown Jr. of Bulls Blog Boys, is that is that a fair assessment? <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> well, I'm just inconsistent. You said inconsistent, Troy Brown oh, Jr. Okay. Like he, All is, right. he yeah, he, he had his games hey, tonight where he up. I like up Troy. A, I like Troy. Oh, oh no. he was good tonight. had to hit a few corner threes, did some stuff, but then you'll have other games where he's just a complete dud. Not to say you're a dud, but um. I, don't know. I It I is, won't go with it that is to
2: say I'm a little bit of a dud.
1: <laughs> no, you're it. the goat. You're the goat. The will <laughs> the goat got me. But uh, before I continue insulting Will, let's call the podcast here. Again, I appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week uh, to talk more Bulls. Uh, so until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak next week Bulls fans. <laughs>